This is GKW. Welcome to another edition of Good Karma Wrestling. From ESPN Milwaukee, I'm Gabe Neitzel, and with me tonight we have, from ESPN West Palm, is Brian Rowitz from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, Jay Hood. Well, hopefully Jay Hood joins us before the end of the show. Because it's Wrap a bit- it up, White Sox. Come on. Let's go. Come on. I mean, come on, you're in the AL Central, man. Like, yeah. come on. should they even be playing games at this point? Like, it's, no. it's basically quadruple A baseball. Anyway, it is a big weekend. We'd love to have Jay Hood because it's going to be a big weekend of professional wrestling. Over in London, we have Money in the Bank on uh, Saturday afternoon for the WWE. One of their main pay per views. They've tried to, you know, kind of brand it along with their big five. And it, it's one that I love because so many different great moments have come out of Money in the Bank. I think of Dolph Ziggler cashing in his Money in the Bank contract. I think of Seth Rollins cashing in his, his in at WrestleMania, of course, when Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley, won, cashed it in. Shield held the WWE title, all three members in one night. It was a great, it was great moments, great moments all the way around at Money in the Bank. So. We're heading into Money in the Bank this weekend. We're a wrestling podcast. I'm pretty sure we're contractually obligated to fantasy book who wins the two ladder those matches. Are the rules. So it's, those, yep. those are the rules. I don't make them. When we decided to start GKW, these are the rules we elected to follow. Yep. So go ahead and let's start with the men. Start on the men's side. Fantasy book the winners. And over on the men's side, just as a refresher, it's Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, LA Knight, Santos Escobar, Butch, Damian Priest, and of course, Logan Paul. Seven on the men's side. That's right. So for me, when you look at this list, it was a list that going into last week before Logan Paul was introduced, I was like, wow, like all six of these guys would be very interesting. Like if somehow mm-hmm. they got the opportunity, because to me, that's what money in the bank should be. It's a little bit different than the rumble. It should be an opportunity for someone, someone that, you know, normally they wouldn't push towards the world title situation. They win this briefcase. It could be a fluky title win. But it means something. You mentioned the Dolph thing. Like, they weren't going to push him up there. But with the briefcase where he's catching someone by surprise, it makes sense. So, I would love if it's anyone but Logan Paul. I, though, think it's going to be Logan Paul. <laughs> are you are you going to fly to London and hold up the sign, anyone but Logan Paul? Just make yes. sure you got to make sure you're on the, you know, you got to make sure you're opposite of the hard cameras. Uh-huh, anyone of but course. Logan Paul. <laughs> So I think it's going to ultimately be him. I think they're going to carry the briefcase for a while with the men's one. They like to have it around for a little bit. And I think it takes away a lot of the legs of it because some of the intrigue is the, of the briefcase is when are we going to see the cash-in? Theory last year, as bad as the cash-in was, we still had moments before that, though, You know where he would come out and about to be cashed in, and then you know someone would take him out. I think of the rumble, things like that. Like They had the moments up until they ultimately botched it in the end and he cashed it in on the U S title, of course. Yeah. So I like, yes, it makes no sense. So I think it's going to be Paul. I think, you know, he's going to do it where eventually it's him and Rollins. They end up doing a one-on-one match. If I'm fantasy booking though, it's one of the other six somehow, some way, and they're holding it until mania. They don't know how to make Roman lose. They don't know what to do. They don't want Roman to lose. We end another WrestleMania, WrestleMania 40 in Philly, Roman's exhausted. The fans are exhausted because Roman's won again. Out comes money in the bank. They cash in there. And that's ultimately how Roman's, you know, 27-year run as champion comes to an end. So I'm I'm just going to eliminate two people right off the bat. Okay. Ricochet and Butch yeah. ain't winning this thing. Got yeah. no chance. I would love if Shinsuke did. Because I feel like Shinsuke, at one point in his WWE career, was in a really good spot where he could have been WWE champ. They decided yeah. not to put it on him and put on 
a bad WrestleMania match with yeah. him and and AJ, AJ Styles instead. Yeah. Um, God, I, I had such high hopes for that match too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, so that leaves that leaves us with LA Knight, Santos Escobar, Damian Priest, and Logan Paul. I hope that, I I don't want it to be to be Logan Paul either because I don't see them. Like whoever wins this, I, I presume is going to cash in on Seth and not on Roman right. as they continue that storyline. As cool as your fantasy booking scenario <laughs> would be, Logan Paul doesn't need the the, the Money sure. in the Bank briefcase. You know, like he just straight up challenged Roman Reigns and got the right. match. Like <laughs> right. if if he really wants a shot at Seth Rollins, he can just you know challenge Seth Rollins. He's Logan Paul. He can do whatever he wants. So I think it would be really cool if it was LA Knight. Santos Escobar or Damian Priest. I'm going to eliminate Santos Escobar because, spoiler alert, I'm going to pick Zelina Vega to win the women's. Mm, so I okay. don't think the LWO <laughs> is going to have both briefcases. So that leaves Priest and LA Knight. And those are the two betting favorites going yeah. into this match. I, I hope it's L- – I don't know who I hope it is because I really appreciate what Damian Priest has been doing within the Judgment Day. And I think you could if, – if, if you plan to break up the Judgment Day – and they've kind of dropped some seeds. Yeah, in. They've, they've dropped seeds here and there. Whether or not they pay those off remains to be seen. But like there could be something with Damian Priest getting, you know, having that and Finn after he fails on Saturday being jealous about the opportunity that he has. And, and you can do that. But L.A. Knight, man, like L.A. Knight is organically over mm-hmm. and he puts on great matches. Everybody's behind him. I think you could have a re- really cool moment of LA Knight whenever he cashes in, whenever it is, the crowd is going to be electric. And I guess that's what I think about when I think about who's cashing in money in the bank. Right. I rattled off all those other, those cool ones that stand out in my head. I, I want a big crowd pop when the champion is in peril and all of a sudden you hear whoever has the briefcases music because they realize something cool is about to happen and they're excited for that person. So I am going to fantasy book LA Knight's winning I, he's not going to go over Roman. I don't know if they do something with Survivor Series, if he holds on to it for that long, but I, maybe the Rumble. I, I, I don't know. Sure. But I think he cashes in on Seth Rollins at some point, and LA Knight becomes the second WWE World Heavyweight Champion. So I think among those two, LA Knight and Priest, like, yes, LA Knight without a doubt gets the better crowd reaction. To me, Damian Priest almost deserves it for his last few months. Like, being a part of that Bad Bunny match, as much as we raved about Bad Bunny, Damian Priest was a big reason why that match looked like that. And he has really excelled in some big spots these last few months. So it would be a good reward for him. But I don't know if the crowd reaction is the same for him ultimately winning, where it is for LA Knight. But with WWE, you know, we got to think about the Vince stuff. LA Knight is organically over right now. So as we saw last week, the WWE's reaction to someone being organically over is, hey, you should act as a heel and try and rip off Ray's mask. So there's that part. Yeah. I would would love it to be a reward. I don't know. I mean, if he eventually turns on the Judgment Day and he has the briefcase, maybe he gets that reaction. But LA Knight, it, it just seems too obvious and... Because we're, we're seeing more and more Vince influence. We're seeing more and more Vince things coming through, whether it's the tag team champions suddenly not being on this card anymore and now defending their title against Pretty Deadly <laughs> tomorrow night on SmackDown instead. Like, I, I just... Right. It, it, so it, it, all signs probably point towards Vince going, oh, it'd be cool to have Logan Paul. Do it! Well, it yeah. Gerald Reed in the comments says, part-time champ, part-time money in the bank winner. 
I mean, it makes sense for WWE. It's WWE logic. Yeah, but it's it's Vince. It's Vince logic. Yeah, that's what it is. Because I don't think I don't think I don't think I don't think Hunter wants that. I don't think Triple H wants that. And and again, he's Logan Paul. He doesn't need it. But again, but it's they, that exposure. They, like if he's carrying it wherever he is, I mean, but he's we're not going to Corgan joint. He will. He seems to be one of those guys that just is a wrestling fan. Like I think. These guys, these promoters, they look at anything as a good sign. Any business is good business. Any public publicity is good publicity. So wherever you find Logan Paul on YouTube, and I'll admit, I don't know where that is. Wherever you find him, if there's a giant green briefcase next to him, that's a win for the WWE. Yeah, I mean, during his podcast, sure. But if he's going places, like, he's not lugging that thing through airports. <laughs> and, like, he's not going to do that shit, man. Like, he's just not. Like, Bad Bunny would. People to do that. Bad Bunny would. Bad Bunny, yeah. <laughs> Um, because it's still real to him, damn it. Logan Paul wouldn't. And I, not, again, I don't want to disparage Logan Paul, but again, he just doesn't need it. But at the same time, like, I don't think Austin Theory really needed it last year, and they still threw it on him and had him, you know, go after the U.S. title and lose, and then right. eventually give him the U.S. title. So who know, who the hell knows what, what Vince is capable of? And it's just, and it makes me sad, because oh, I thought we were trending towards something pretty cool um, with the field that we have on the men's side. Right. Um, no, so and I, I agree. And I think, you know, the guys in this match will deliver. They'll do some great spots. It seems like they're sort of setting something up for Knock and Ricochet with Bronson Reed to where maybe he costs the two of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it makes sense to eliminate them. But, like, this is a good group of, all right, like, I'm going to be happy with some of these people. Like, we've seen a lot of times in these matches where they throw in guys and you're like, they don't need to be in this match. Like, this match should be a jumping off point, And hopefully it is for some of the guys in this match. So on the women's side, we have Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, Bailey, EO Sky, and Trish Stratus. And I think realistically, well, you can eliminate three. Becky, Zoe, and Trish. Okay. I think you can eliminate all three of those, which leaves us with Zelina, Bailey, and EO. I think you can eliminate Bailey. You might be able to talk me into something of Bailey winning and then eventually putting it on the line against EO Sky and EO Sky going over and ending up with it. But there's only two names, I think, that you can realistically book of having this briefcase and cashing it in. And hopefully they hold on to it for a while. Because yeah, historically, be cool. <laughs> historically, the women cash it in the night of. They just cash it in right away. They don't want to carry it around. And look, I get it. You don't, you know, you don't want the extra, extra luggage just to hold around the airport. But... Look, it's one of two one of two women in this match. I think that's fair, but like to me when I look at the list, like Zoe Sark's own uh, the only one I could say like okay, there's no way she's winning. I could make a case for the other ones. Like Trish one last run as a heel like lugging that thing around and maybe she cashes in fast. The biggest issue for me right now with booking this is you have two heel women's champions in Rhea and Asuka. So you know, there's not a ton of like strong faces outside of, I guess, Zelina and I guess Becky to an extent, but she doesn't really need it. So I think the heels in this match could really do good things with it. I think Trish could be an entertaining story. EO is sort of a heel right now, right? Like she's, she's trending. Well, she's trending baby face. Yeah. She's heel okay. adjacent. She's trending baby face. She accepted a match on Bailey's behalf, you know, saying it'd be good for her. She's, she's starting to do some baby, you know, hey, I'm a heel, gotcha. but I'm going to be breaking yeah. away from the heel faction tendencies right now. Um, 
but look, and, and Trisha is the heel of all heels. So she yes. doesn't give a rip if she costs another <laughs> heel. Like, so you could talk me into her winning, cashing in, and then ultimately Trish versus Becky at SummerSlam is for one of the women's titles. Like, you could talk sure. me into that really easily. So for me, though, in terms of fantasy booking, I think Bailey can do the most with it. I think her as that heel, even if there are heel champions, just sort of, you know, being scheming and saying like, oh, this might be the night or I might do it then. Like, and she can have a legit long run with that briefcase until ultimately we get a face champion. And then her coming out there and celebrating and winning and beating something. I like the eel idea, like you mentioned. I think she can do the most with it. Even though she might not need it, it could be a good jump start to sort of change Bailey and, you know, maybe freshen her up a little bit. Zelina Vega is my pick. And mm-hmm. I think the LWO is so over right now. You know, you always hear about, you know, anywhere you go, anywhere you read, the, the merchandise for LWO right. is off the <laughs> charts. And this this kind of like with Damian Priest feels like a reward because sure. I didn't think that Zelina Vega was that good. Like what she's done, like what she did with her opportunity in Puerto Rico and the way she's been able to kind of take that ball and run with it since, you know, she, she came into WWE as a manager, you know, kind of came back as a manager. You you thought, okay, she's, and and then she was just going to be kind of the mouthpiece of what, uh, Legato del Fantasma. That was what this group previously was before they added Ray and and now they're (laughs) LWO, but she's rolled off the tongue easier also. Yes. Yes. So much easier. (laughs) But she's putting on good matches, you know, like on SmackDown. Like she's she's put on good matches. I didn't realize she was this talented in the ring. And I I look, if I thought that was my fault, I would put my hand in the air and say, hey, that's on me. But that's on WWE for never actually putting right. in her matches that we would ever see on TV. So she's she has delivered, and I think she could be the way she's delivered on the microphone, they it seemed like they gave her, I mean, she did. They it didn't seem like because it's true. They gave her the most time on the summit that they did this last week. Like she had the most time in the microphone. You know she can handle a lot of the mic. She's got the in-ring skills. Man, much like you put it on Liv last year and, and tried to strap the rocket on her back and let her go. Let's see what Zelina Vega can do. And I look, I, I don't think she cashes in right away. I think you're unless you do something around um Charlotte and Asuka around that title. Because I think sure. you want to have a longer tight run with Rhea and you're kind of you could kind of hot potato that title with um, you know, it further ticking off and, and they kind of hinted at this on, on Monday or Friday, whatever, what about Friday with, with Bianca, because Bianca's like, Oh, I'm going to be sitting out there. And Adam Pierce, terrible WWE official, uh, is banning her from ringside because he doesn't want anything to happen. So you're kind of hinting at somebody cutting the line again on, um, on, on her, so maybe that sure. ends up being whoever wins the women's money in the bank match. I don't know. They've they've hinted at it, so you could do a quick cash in, but I, it would have to be around that title though. That's the only one you can do it. I don't think you can do it on Rhea at this point, but I think Zelina Vega would be an inspired choice. I think people would get behind her with the briefcase. No, I agree. I think it would be awesome to see her get that moment and to win. My one worry with her is that she is such a baby face that they go down that path of. Hey, I'm going to tell you when I'm cashing in. Hey, Rhea, I want another shot at you. Let's do this at SummerSlam. And then she loses again. Like, that would be my only concern when it comes to that and the way they've booked her so far. 
Yeah, and again, that would be a Vince thing, right? Like, because right. <laughs> Vince doesn't want to actually put her over, and and I think you can see that a mile away. It's it's funny if you pay attention close enough, how you can kind of tell the Triple H stuff versus <laughs> the Vince stuff on Raw and SmackDown. It's wild. It is just absolutely wild. Either way, I think we're gonna have a blast. I think I mean, when you look up and down the card for Money in the Bank, I think you're gonna get some other quality matches, like Seth versus Finn, especially with yep. this version of Finn, is gonna be fantastic. Dominic continues to develop, and I think that's going to be all right uh, versus Cody Rhodes. Um, women's tag team titles with Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Yeah. Like They teased getting me excited with Raquel Rodriguez when she was like violent and physical in a match two weeks ago, and then Liv Morgan's back, so she's just smiling, flexing baby face, generic baby face, so I'm not excited about that. Gunter versus Matt Riddle should be fun, and of course, Bloodline Civil War. So I think you're going to get a good card even outside of just the, the ladder matches. Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, Civil War, you know, they're continuing that storyline. I assume that's what closes the show? Yeah, it has to. Okay. I think it has to. So, what are you doing in that match? Like, how are you going to fantasy book that one? Because that's one, I think, the intrigue for me, personally, is I could make a case either way about whether the Uso should win or whether Roman and Solo should win. Does... I think... It feels like it has to be Roman and Solo win, but Jimmy or Jay goes back. Oh, okay. Like, I could be into, like, Jimmy turning on Jay. Interesting. I'd be fine with that. You know, where, you know, that that ends up being the swerve where Roman and... um, and and Paul Heyman get to him. He's the new right hand man. He's the new one they're grooming to take over. He's he ends up being the guy, and that becomes too tempting. And Jimmy turns on Jay, and now Jay's by himself and has to try to fight, um, which I think could be interesting for Jay because he's delivered it a lot of times in a lot of the matches he's given. You know, given, going back to when this started, and they started calling him main event Jay Uso. Yeah, I think that could work. I think if you're going to have the Usos lose, you need a way to continue to have legs for the storyline. Them just losing clean, now they have nothing to stand on. They split off and they're still not good enough for Roman. So either you do that, which I think works perfect, or they go over and Solo's the one that takes the pin and then Roman and Solo have some issues and they further break up that way and continue to shatter things that way. But I think it'll be a great match. I'm sure the four of them are very much looking forward to this opportunity and hopefully they get some time to work, but I'm really looking forward to that tag match on Saturday. We move on to some of the other top uh, uh, stories in all of professional wrestling. We like to call it the three count here on GKW. Brian, what do we have at number one? Yesterday marked 25 years since Mankind versus The Undertaker at King of the Ring took place, best known for Mankind being thrown off the top of hell in a cell. So Gabe, since then... What is the most iconic WWE moment from the past 25 years? This is so hard. <laughs> this is so ridiculously hard. Um, because, like, you could throw I'm, – I'm, I can't limit it to one, right? Like, I just started when, – when we decided this was going to be a topic of conversation, I just started, like, top of my head writing things down of, of things that came to my mind. And in, in no particular order – I would throw Mankind winning the WWE Championship, which happened, you know, a year or so, whatever, after that, after after this match 25 years ago. Um, I would throw Hulk versus Rock at WrestleMania on that list. I would throw... Oh man, again, it just, they just rattle. They're, they're all there. I mean, take, like, there's so many Taker matches you could throw on there. Taker retiring Sean, Sean retiring... Uh, 
Ric Flair. That because again, that that's just so great. The I'm sorry, I love you thing. The Rock coming back to host WrestleMania, like that is still one of the biggest pops because it was a legitimate surprise that like, nobody knew that that was going to be happening. And kind of on lesser levels, these probably don't live up as much, but um, CM Punk's pipe bomb, you know, could be thrown up there. Um, Daniel Bryan winning at WrestleMania 30, you know, winning both matches on that night and, and it becoming um, his his nights at WrestleMania. Yeah, there, there are so many things. If I had to narrow it down to one, I'm probably still... I'm, I'm probably going to lean towards mankind winning the WWE title okay. because that, that pop, I, I don't know if that pop's been matched <laughs> Right. when stone cold comes out, hits rock over the head with the chair, Mick Foley wins. And, and again, that's, that's an iconic moment because WCW gave it away. Everybody went over to watch WWE and that turned the tide in terms of the Monday night wars that ultimately resulted in WCW closing their doors. Yeah, so I agree with all of those. The only other one I, I don't think you mentioned was Seth Cashin. I think to that moment, okay. like him standing at the top of that, you know, 300-yard field at the top of the entrance ramp. Yeah, like that was a big moment. And that's the thing. Like you mentioned that, Dolph Cashin. Like Money in the Bank is such a big part of this. Like those surprise moments to where we think back to it, like, oh, yeah, that is a memorable moment. You know, cashing in for the U.S. title doesn't really fall in that. So those were ones I considered, <laughs> and it is hard to pick just one. For me, though, I love the shock factor in wrestling, and that's why, to me, Taker losing. Like, I still okay. don't think it makes sense. I still don't think it was the right decision, but it still is something that going into it, even after, like, there's no way anyone saw that coming. Like, Taker should have never lost that mania, but he lost that mania to, you know, an up-and-comer like Brock Lesnar. Like, so to me, that is still that moment that is so iconic to this day. Is that one of the most underrated manias, WrestleMania 30? Yeah. Because, because again, you have, because you have Brian, you have, right. um, you have Lesnar going over. Uh, I believe there was a really good Wyatt family versus shield match on that card. Like it's, it's a very truncated card. I, I want right. to say it's like one of the last non-bloated WrestleManias that we had where it was a focused card and you just got a quality night of entertainment. Um, you know, so I, th that's why I would throw that just in, and maybe that's a different topic for a different day. <laughs> but there, I mean, again, like WWE, this, they're in the moments business. Like they've, right. they've made no qualms about that. There's a lot that you can choose from. Um, you know, I was just trying to look at some different lists to jog my memory. Like the festival of friendship was thrown out there because sure. that was so well done. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones that, that I had written down and, well, and the other thing though, like, Yes, Foley Taker is an iconic moment and will stand the test of time. And while we come up with a lot and it's not easy to come up with just one to answer this, like, what does it say about WWE that, like, that moment still is such a big deal 25 years later? Like, is that a knock on them? No. I think it's a credit to, I think, honestly, and it's not even a credit to Mac, to Undertaker, it's a credit to Mick Foley. Like, it's 100% a credit to Mick Foley and, and how people... I would recommend going checking out like the, they have a 25 minute video. It's out on YouTube. Uh, they were promoting it all week on you know all their different platforms, but it's a great video of the two sitting down um, Mick Foley and, and Mark Calloway sitting down and talking about this match and watching it back together. It's a hundred percent of credit to Mick Foley and his vision, how tough he was, the way he was able to get over with the crowd. Like, I think it's a testament to him because you can't, 
You can't do that in 2023. Like we have safety protocols now. You know, it's like if you go back and watch an NFL game, and I've been doing this here in Milwaukee, I've been going back and watching old Packer games for a podcast series that we're doing this summer. Like there are certain things going back and watching some of these old Packers games where it's like, oh, no, you, you, you can't do that anymore. Like there's rules against that. Like it's the right. same thing, you know, like when Jericho at blood and guts a couple of years ago in AEW landed on whatever, you know, whatever was yes. covered up and it was very clearly some sort of soft padding underneath and it kind of ruined everything and everyone got mad about it. But at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, it's a 50 year old dude on top of like, you can't do what Mick Foley did. That's not say that's terrible. That's, right. that's a bad idea. Look at Mick, look at the way he can barely move now. It's not a good idea. We shouldn't be doing this. So it's, to me, it's more of a testament to uh, years gone by and, and, you know, it's a good nostalgic moment. It's, it's a testament to Mick Foley and how great he is. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, it's one of those things I think it contributed to that moment, like fully becoming champion, I think, was part of that night. Like it all sort of led up to it. It was fans sort of getting that taste of fully like, wow, this guy, he really puts it all out there for everyone. Yeah, uh, there's a great story in there about the thumbtacks because WWE hadn't done thumbtacks before. McFoley obviously had with some of his you know stops in Japan and all those sorts of things. So uh, again, there's there's some great stories in there that uh, that I cannot recommend. People go check that out. Enough. Are we missing anything? Are we missing uh, anything with you know an iconic moment that stands out? I'm trying to think like women's division, like Becky breaking her nose. Yeah, that's really, I mean, that that started the man character that eventually led to the women having the first ever main event right. at WrestleMania. I mean, the Brian stuff was so organic. I think that meant a lot. But, like, what else is there? Like, that's the, like, WWE, like, Mania has become so, like, for the casual fan. Yeah. I mean... I always dismiss stuff for like recency bias, but like does bad bunny deserve to be mentioned? So I thought about that. Right. Because I was thinking about biggest pops in the last year. Right. right. And WWE did a recent list of this and I got very upset. Like, <laughs> like I, I was more upset than I should have been that like <laughs> Sami Zayn and bad bunny weren't one and two. Um, right. Because, you know, they, they, they put, like, it was like the, the biggest crowd pops from the last two years. And Bad Bunny having an entire re- arena singing his song in perfect rhythm was number four. No, it wasn't. It was not, <laughs> if, if, if anything, it was two. Right. Because Sami Zayn in Montreal would have been one because the place is going crazy for Sami. And I would have those two. Those two are the ones that stick out for me this year Bad Bunny in Puerto Rico, Sami in Montreal. But that's like cheating. You know, it's like yeah. CM Punk in Chicago. It's, <laughs> you know, the, the crowd's just going to always give him that that way overreaction anytime he shows up. And that's the same thing with Sammy in Montreal. And obviously the most streamed artist in the world showing up in, in his home territory of, of San Juan, Puerto Rico. And I mean, that's the other thing is that, like, you know, we talk about it a lot and how frustrating it was. Like, Sammy, if he would have won, like, is one of the things we talk about on this list. Like, Sammy going over in oh, Montreal yep. would have been mm-hmm. one of those moments. Yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, like, I would say, I mean, again, if you want to go to the pipe bomb and then CM Punk going over in Chicago at Money in the Bank. Yeah. And, you know, like, that was that was a pretty big moment at the time. I mean, it doesn't rise up, I think, to the level of these other ones. But, right. you know, I mean, the crowd's going berserk. Seriously, go back and watch. And it's a little different because Punk hadn't 
been using Cult of Personality yet. You know, he's using <laughs> the old Nexus little guitar riff at the, at the beginning uh, of that song. But the crowd is hot that night. The crowd is real hot for Punk and Cena, and they delivered. And it was a tremendous match. I, th- I think you could certainly throw that on the list if you wanted to. Yep. Number two. AEW this weekend wrapped up Forbidden Door. Dynamite last night drew a pretty subpar number, 800,000, but their lowest demo in three years since June of 2020. How do you feel about the current state of AEW? I I feel really good about it. I, look, I mean, these numbers, obviously, Warner Brothers feels fine about it, yes. right? WB, WBD fine, feels fine about it because the – Okay, it's the lowest number that they've done since 2020. That number is going to pop back up. It's kind of in, a, in between a range, you know. I, right. I think they would love to see it be consistently at a million, and that seems to be what everybody online wants to talk about. But they wouldn't have greenlit Collision if they didn't feel confident about the direction of the company. And I thought Forbidden Door was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this this week's section of Forbidden Door is going to be the match of the week section. That's <laughs> We're just going to strictly talk about Forbidden Door when we get toward the end of the show because there were so many great matches that were put on. So I, I really feel good about the direction of the company. They did a great job. We talked about this last week of sprinkling in the Forbidden Door stuff while continuing the AEW storylines. I mean, I'm... Look, sometimes they're just going to make creative decisions you just don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't agree with Jungle Boy being a heel. Like, I think that's going to go poorly. Same thing with Sammy Guevara being a baby face. Like, yes. I just think that's going to go poorly. But do I think that's going to sink the company? No. Like, they're, they're taking creative risks and maybe it ends up paying off. Again, I doubt it just because, like... Hook has but to Jungle go Boy over. Jungle Boy says bad words now. Like, what Hook, else do you need? I mean, Hook is going over. Like you're like I can't imagine Hook having his first loss in AEW, being of that little shithead. Oh, I I agree, but like Jungle Boy's done if he loses this. If it's another big match for Jungle Boy and another loss for Jungle Boy, then why does anyone ever get behind him? I don't know, but like I I don't I. <laughs> Turning him heel against Hook seems like a bad idea, right? <laughs> bad idea. Because you've kind of got Hook who, who you're you're gradually bringing along because he's so young. You're still bringing him up, up to speed. He's over. You, and I don't think you can have him lose to Jungle Boy. I'm, I'm curious to see how they end up, you know, paying that one off in, in, unless he realigns himself with Christian Cage and Luchasaurus and they interfere in the oh. match and that's what costs Hook. And then you can probably move on from it. I don't know. Like, but but again, overall, like the MJF stuff last night, I thought was fun. Like him and Adam yeah. Cole, like Adam Cole making the jokes of, yeah, no, I can say, because how many times have you you've been watching wrestling? Somebody says something in front of a camera and you're going, how dumb are these people? Do they right. not watch their own show? <laughs> and like they do the wink, wink thing of he's sitting there talking to Roddy Strong and he's, no. You think MJF watches this back? I can say whatever I want. <laughs> and everyone goes, nah, he's probably right. You know, like it was, it, I thought that was And a that lot t-shirt's going to sell really well. I'm better oh, than you, yes. baby. A hundred percent. That's going to sell very well. A hundred percent. That is like, I, I feel the rest of the Eliminator Tag stuff. Again, there are things I can nitpick. The mm. Eliminator Tag Tournament is, <laughs> I apparently we're getting, you know, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. <laughs> 
didn't even bother to show us the little, you know, the, the, the no, bingo cage that they rolled this week. They're just, oh, here's a match. Oh, and they're going to go up against Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy. Cool, guys. Right. Um, so they try to jam so much into some of these shows. And again, it's, it's part of the learning curve. And you just hope that Tony continues to learn. He clearly learned from last year's Forbidden Door. And hopefully once he realizes he has five hours of programming to work with, you don't keep jamming things in. To that point, you also don't have to have, um, you know, every every match promoed what you've got coming up on Rampage and Collision at the Fair. end of the show before you get to the, the main events. Because I feel bad every single week as they're trying to jam through those. And he messed one up this week. Like I know. He, it feels up. like he dies a little inside every time he messes up just one. Like, <laughs> oh, like I said, it was this instead of that. Like you, you feel yeah. it come out of it. <laughs> You know, so I feel bad. I feel bad for them that they try to do that. But yeah, they try to jam so much into, especially Dynamite, because they know it's their big show. And I get it. But, you know, you, you got to give some things room to breathe. But again, they did last night. I felt other, maybe you trim a little bit off those two opening matches that you had last night, sure. which pretty much took up the first hour of the show. And you can do some of the more backstage stuff. Um, again, they still did some, but you can still do some of the backstage stuff. And explain more of what this tag eliminator title, this tag team eliminator tournament is. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like we talk a lot with WWE that like they do such a poor job of developing other people. Like they're so focused on the main event that's the only thing, the only story they're telling. There are a lot of stories being told in AEW, which the wrestling fan is entertaining. Yes, you're gonna get nights like last night that was a good show, but nothing crazy. But now they're moving forward. Now you have two months to build. For two pay-per-views in a six-day span, which is going to happen late August, early September. Which I'm is something else they announced this week. Yeah, so I am very curious to see how that's going to look and what they're going to do with that. But we know what they're going to do for Wembley. We know how much they're going to try and push that out of the park. And then with All Out in Chicago, they still want to be like, hey, this is still a big deal. We still want people there. They're doing the full week in Chicago. So they're going to build towards these things. I think the tag thing is a good way to sort of keep MJF fresh. Like you and I have talked about how the world title run has been so-so. Like he delivers when he needs to, but it's been sort of drawn out. I think we'll get him and Cole again. It'll be a great match. So this has been a fun way. And they're just telling all these great stories. I think the collision thing will help them because they're going to be able to tell other things and do different things. And hopefully they take advantage of that because they haven't been treating it like a B show like Rampage. But like to me, like it is still fun to watch AEW every week, and that's all I ask for as a wrestling fan. Yeah, no, it's it's a fun show, and because because it's paced the way it is, mm-hmm. two hours, one hour, two hours, none of their shows feel like they drag. Like, right? I mean, what eight times out of ten you're watching Raw and it drags a little bit just because it's three oh, 100%. hours. And it's Raw and, is very and, fast forwardable. Yes, and it, it and it can be a great Raw. And it still starts to drag just a little bit because of the length of it. And because of the length of it, they feel the need to constantly retell you everything that's just happened. Right. Oh, if you missed it earlier, here's what you <laughs> missed. You know, like I, I swear, I think I saw um, the opening segment of Raw like six times this past <laughs> Monday night. I, it was outrageous. Yeah. Um, uh, and you see in the comments here, Eric Collins said, and I agree, fans should not care about any company's ratings. Only the company and their respective networks should. Yeah. And the only time you should care about ratings is, I guess, if they're poor and you know a TV contract is coming up. Because, you know, but again, I think Warner Brothers Discovery gave AEW the vote of confidence by giving them a Saturday night show. And look, the ratings for that show, 
they're not going to be good. It's nope. Saturday night. <laughs> right. Like there's, it's, it's not a great night for TV. It's not yeah. going to be And we're great. not even in the fall yet, by the way, there's, there's no football yet. <laughs> yeah. Like, but they, they, these TV executives aren't dumb. They know that they know a lot of people are probably going to watch it back via DVR and they're, they're okay with that. They're okay with, you know, eight, they, they, they figure it's worth the investment of the extra two hour television show than to show, you know, Crimson Tide for the seventh time <laughs> on a Saturday night or, you know, whatever 90s drama movie you want to yeah. put on TNT on a Saturday night. So I feel great about, I mean, honestly, I'm not to the level that I was the, the best I felt about AEW other than when it initially opened, I would say would be last year coming out of Double or Nothing. Yep. I've referenced that that so much time. Like I think that's the best pay-per-view they've ever done. And unfortunately, CM Punk got hurt. A lot of people got hurt coming out of that one. And they've been almost trying to catch that since. And they bottomed out with the brawl out, but have really rebounded nice. And, and they're starting to, you know, start to climb back up. I feel, you know, I, I guess I'm hopeful that they find a way to make money off of brawl outs. I like that Miro and Andrade are back on my television and doing fun things on Saturday nights. Orange Cassidy has been a better champion than I could have possibly imagined. Um, BCC versus the elite's been fun. Like they're, they're doing, they're doing fun things and I feel good about the state of AEW and I hope they can, again, continue to build that momentum. And we're coming out of Labor Day weekend after they put on great back-to-back shows and heading into another show that they announced with Grand Slam in New York. And we start heading towards Grand Slam going, yep, I I really want to know what they do next. Yeah, I mean, these next two months are going to be important because obviously, like, the build is going to be for Wembley. Like, they're going to Wembley. It's going to be one of the largest gates ever. Blood and Guts will be before that also, which they announced last night, which will be BCC versus Elite. That'll be fun. So how they deliver these next two months will be entertaining. And honestly, I believe in them. Like, I feel like a lot of the stuff that hasn't worked has been due to injury or due to just random backstage stuff. Yes, there are misses. Yes, there are guys and girls that they misuse. Right. But I think overall, like they've been doing a good job at it. And I'm really looking forward to these next few months. Yeah. I think in the world of professional wrestling, we're in a really good spot. Now, Vince could drag that all alone in WWE. So, you know, we'll, we'll wait to see what happens there. Uh, but there is another wrestling company. Sometimes we drag them on this show, make bit. fun of them. A lot of times we make fun of their champion. But earlier this week, Brian, you and Jay Hood had the oppor- uh, opportunity to catch up with the owner of the NWA, Billy Corgan. We are so glad that you're with us here for Good Karma Wrestling. We have a very special guest with us here, Chicago Zone, William Patrick Corrigan, Billy Corrigan, and the National Wrestling Alliance will be uh, hosting two live shows in Highland Park, Illinois. You say, why Highland Park? Well, because for me as a Chicagoan and across the country and around the world, we found out what happened July 4th, bro. It's, uh, it was uh, a year ago. Uh, where we had a tragedy, just a senseless mass shooting that took place at a parade uh, in Highland Park. People from all over the area came coming uh, to this great event that they have every year, and there was a massive shooting. So on July 8th, HP Cares for Cooper, a charity show taking place at the Highland Park Rec Center. Also July 9th, the double live taping of NWA Power. William Patrick Corrigan is the president of the National Wrestling Alliance. And Billy joins us here on Good Karma Wrestling. Uh, Billy, it's Jonathan and uh, Brian Rowitz. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here and, uh, and talk wrestling. Always fun to talk wrestling. Yes. Uh, before we get into that, you know, I was t- saying in the intro, Billy, just about 
what happened and uh, on July 4th. It's just you you love to be at parades, barbecues, being with family and friends, and then that tragedy happens. Can you take us back? when you uh, Where were you when you found out the news about what happened in our community? Yeah, I was actually at home. Um, my tea house um, is about a couple blocks away from where it happened. And uh, just before the event, um, this horrible tragedy, you know, I was trying to find out if my tea house was open that day because I was going to go down and have some food. And I got a message back saying, no, it's closed today for the parade. Okay, fine. Next thing I know, there's all these text light in my phone. Did you hear what happened? Did you hear what happened? Um, I mean, just an unbelievable thing. A, a local a local kid, you know, decided to open fire on a, on a crowd of 3,000 people. And uh, Cooper Roberts among them, you know, the youngest victim that day, almost died, um, paralyzed, and um, got so many stories, so many crazy things came out of this, you know, the worst of times and the best of times, you know, the best was seeing the community come together. And, and you know, Highland Park is an incredibly diverse community, very, uh, very liberal, very much concerned about these types of issues before the shooting. So it was particularly a, a, a deep cut as far as what happened here. And uh, I think the positive thing is the, you know, the affluence of the community has turned into something where people are being very supportive, but there are still people in need. And in the case of the Roberts family, they're still they're still need, needing help. So that's why we decided to do this event. But uh, yeah, it's hard to walk back through that day because, um, you know, all my experiences are from a distance, you know, albeit only a mile away. Um, you know, but I went through my head a thousand times if I could have done something different. You know, what could I have done? You know, like I think everybody went that day. What does it mean to you from a personal standpoint to see the wrestling community sort of rally behind and sort of help out the cause this up uh, next few weeks? Well, I think that's one thing that uh, oftentimes gets overlooked with wrestling is it's a really interesting way of unifying people. Um, you know, you go to any wrestling show, you see such a diverse crowd uh, from every community coming together because they connect with the, the wrestling talent. And so I thought it was an interesting thing. We, we had done a little bit of a charity fundraiser here a couple months ago in Highland Park. But with the anniversary coming up and then finding out that the Roberts family needed uh, some additional resources, I thought it was kind of a good thing to put together. Um, this event, which is free, which is interesting. I know we're doing a charity, but we're, we're encouraging donations. And what's been interesting about this, I think we're actually going to end up raising more money because of encouraging people to donate whatever they feel in their heart. We've already had sponsors and stuff stepping up and into the fray to help. And um, I think it's going to be a really fun day. And uh, But we also want people, there are a lot of people in this community that are hurting, uh, you know, economically. Uh, you know, it's not the best time in America for the economy. So we want to encourage everybody to come out and support the Roberts family, even if they can't afford to donate. Yeah, NWATIX.com is where you go. And again, July 8th and July 9th, uh, two big shows in Highland Park. HP Cares for Cooper, the charity show taking place at the Highland Park Rec Center uh, in suburban Chicago. Okay, so everywhere I see you interviewed, Billy, you talk about you be, uh, be an old school wrestling fan. So I want you to take us back to when you first saw wrestling. When you, when you say old school wrestling, what are your fondest memories well, you know, I, I, I lived with for a time with my grandfather and my great-grandmother, who was about 80 years old. And for some reason, they like wrestling circa 1971. So imagine me at four years old watching Dick the Bruiser, The Crusher, Baron Von Raschke, Nick Bockwinkel, Bobby Heenan, you know, these great legends of, of the sport of professional wrestling. I, I'm just a little kid. I don't even know what I'm watching. All I know is it seemed crazy. Uh, <laughs> I didn't quite understand half of what was going on, but I think that's kind of what I liked about it. It seemed like this this other universe that we were clocking into. So 
Um, I, of course, didn't realize that I was watching some of the best professional wrestling in the history of professional wrestling with some of the greatest stars of wrestling, but also that physical style, um, that NWA slash AWA style of the late 60s, early 70s is obviously very important to me because I've tried to imprint that upon uh, the modern NWA, um, which, you know, you know, and you guys know wrestling, you know, the trend these days is more towards athleticism and uh, high flying and stuff like that, which I'm, I'm a fan of too. But at the end of the day, I got to believe the biggest guy in the room is going to win nine times out of 10. So that's what I'm betting on. When you mentioned the NWA, obviously they hold a special place in wrestling history. Since you took over in 2017, what are you most proud of what you've accomplished with the NWA? I think just picking this thing up off the floor. Um, you know, when I bought it, uh, no less than a, a emissary like Jim Cornette, I think uh, laughed his head off and said, what did he buy? Three worthless letters, something like that. And I love Jim, so there's no heat there. But um, and Jim ended up working out, uh, working for the NWA for a while. Um, but uh, you know, I think bringing back uh, the NWA not only as a brand and now entering its 75th year of continuous operation, but I think also the opportunity to kind of revoice for professional wrestling fans a style of wrestling that, in, for many uh, people, has gone out of vogue. Uh, but I don't really believe that because I heard that same thing when I started in alternative rock. Oh, that style of music you're playing. Nobody wants to hear that anymore. Nobody wants to hear loud guitars anymore. We heard all that stuff. And about five years later, we were playing Madison Square Garden. So I still believe that the the style of wrestling, you know, the old AWA, NWA style, you know, whether you're talking about Mid-South or, or the Crockett's or, you know, even Memphis, uh, I think that style is never going to get old. And I think UFC's proven that people like a tough fight. And um, I think I'm going to bring that, that, that style back into the mainstream again. In the era of social media, there are some that don't mind being the heel. Some actually have a problem with people coming after them. I'm just wondering, in your locker room, do you have guys uh, or women or men that, um, that can embrace being a heel? Some can't take it, Billy, but can they take it, your locker room? Oh, yeah. No, we got a, we got a lot of tough hombres and, and ladies in there. Um, I don't think we go out of our way to court controversy, but I also think we're very proud of, of who we are. Um, and, uh, you know, not everybody agrees, but that's, you know, that's the modern wrestling fan. Uh, part of being a modern wrestling fan is, is getting on social media and voicing your opinion, which is totally fine. Um, I just draw the line on where, you know, the fans book the promotion. Um, I'm not a fan of the, I'm not a fan of the fans booking the card or the promotion. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, at, in that way, I'm probably the biggest heel of the NWA because I just won't turn the NWA into every other wrestling company that's out there. So speaking of that, one of the things you have to defend yourself as the heel basically is your world champion. You're always asked about that. What is that like for you defending your world champion in Tyrus? Well, it's a strange thing, you know, um, Let's start here. I met Tyrus when he was uh, working at TNA Wrestling. We were both working there. He, of course, was talent. And I was in the office. Uh, I didn't like the way he was being used as far as he was being booked. He certainly didn't like it. And I got to know him as a human being. I got to know you know, the man behind Tyrus, you know, the, the real life man who, you know, uh, you know, grew up in Compton, you know, was Snoop Dogg's bodyguard, uh, went through a lot of adversity you know, was turned in the WWE into a, into a dancing character, which of course got over, but it wasn't necessarily where his heart was at. You know, his, his, his love is for Dusty and, and Gorilla Monsoon. And so to cast him as a modern uh, superstar uh, in an era of diversity, in an era of obviously heightened political uh, tension, uh, he can take it, I can take it. 
And as I've tried to say, and I tried to say it to the New York Times, maybe I didn't say it as artfully as I would have liked in, in hindsight. But at the end of the day, if people are afraid of, uh, I was going to say it the English way, controversy, uh, mm-hmm. if people are afraid of controversy in wrestling, I don't know what they're doing in wrestling. I mean, wrestling is about heat. And, uh, and George Murdoch, the man they call Tyrus, he brings the heat. Uh, he's on you know, one of the biggest uh, late night shows in the world. He carries proudly the NWA title on his shoulder as world champion. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go into battle with that man because I know that man. And, um, and so if people want to come at us on it, that's fine. But at the end of the day, I'm going to, I'm going to assume that Tyrus is going to beat up your guy nine times out of 10. So if in your world, you want to believe your five, seven, you know, super high flying, you know, Meltzer 18 star match guy can beat up my <laughs> six, seven, 375 pound guy. You go right ahead. I'm not living in that reality. I'm living in the other reality. So, Billy, I'm trying to figure out the business model for the National Wrestling Alliance. I kind of look at it as you as a performer, right? It's kind of like, are you looking at small stage and then working your way up to bigger stages where it's like, hey, if we can be able to to draw a crowd here, as we move forward, we'll be into bigger buildings. Is that how you look at it, like a band in a small stage and then moving forward? I, I love that you asked that question. It's, it's, it's a difficult thing to easily answer because um, – there are a lot of strong independent wrestling organizations in the world. I would say anything below a new Japan, AAA, AEW or WWE, you could classify as, as a, as a top tier independent or a second tier independent. And I don't mean that as a slight, we're just talking about economics. I want the national wrestling alliance to be up there and competing at the top level with WWE, new Japan, AAA, uh, and, and AEW. Uh, so everything we're doing is to get ourselves prepared for a bigger run at a higher level, which seems counterintuitive to a lot of the crowd that follows the independent scene. But um, that's exactly what we're here to do. So uh, what we can do and how we can do it at, at a ground level, you know, there's lots of argument there to be made. Part of it is economic. Part of it is trying to build you know, the product up from the ground up. Um, part of it is even delineating that our wrestling product is far different than just about every other company out there. For you, obviously, the talent is what helps make the product get out there. You've had some young talent come through there, go on to big things, Ricky Starks being one of them. Who's some of your young talent now that fans should be on the lookout for? Uh, the Page sisters, uh, Kylie and Kenzie. One's about 22, the other's 19. Uh, trained by Dr. Tom Pritchard. Unbelievably tough and physical. Uh, that's what we want in our in our in both uh, our male and female division. But particularly our female division might be the toughest, most physical division in all of professional wrestling. Carrie uh, Morton, son of Ricky Morton, absolute future legend. Um, that's his nickname, but I'm telling you, he's a stone cold a lock on that. That guy has all the intangibles. And plus, he grew up with his father in his ear. Uh, not a bad place to start. Thrill Billy Silas Mason, uh, about a 6'7", 240 heavyweight, uh, very skilled. Uh, Alex Taylor, another uh, uh, young, uh, you know, uh, cruiserweight, very, very skilled. Almost kind of reminds me of a, of a, um, gosh, Tully Blanchard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Alonzo, who's from Chicago, also very skilled, a uh, cruiserweight. Um, gosh, I mean, there's a lot of people. We have a lot of talent. We're a very big roster. Um, we have a lot of talent coming through the door, and and we have a lot of veteran leadership, which really helps, I think, with steering that ship. Um, yeah, really, really exciting stuff there. Billy, what is the future uh, for television? I remember in the Lagana days when he worked with you, he said, you know, television is not the end-all be-all. We're working towards something. 
So what does it look like for the future for streaming or television for the NWA? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to just about everybody in the sphere over the last few years. Um, you know, for a while, I was in discussions with WWE when, when they were more interested in bringing outside content onto the network. That didn't happen. Um, they were very cool about it, though. So, you know, nothing but love there. Um, I've talked to every major platform in the world. Uh, you know, I don't have to roll the names out because I, I wasn't able to necessarily get those deals done. Um, I, I think everything from here is, is we have to find, you know, network uh, uh, broadcast partners. Um, and, you know, we have some good news coming up. I think that will uh, surprise and, and, you know, get some people talking as far as where we're going. Um, but at the end of the day, and, and, and uh, you know, Dave Meltzer is not my friend. And of course, if you're a wrestling fan, you know who Dave Meltzer is. But I do agree with Dave Meltzer on one thing, which is like, if you don't have TV at the higher level, uh, you're going to have a, a hard time drawing. And so I think at the end of the day, wrestling always works in conjunction with television. We have a very robust uh, YouTube channel where we put all our programming these days. And we still partner with Fight On or pay-per-views. Um, and our numbers are pretty good on YouTube. So there's nothing to sneeze at there. But until you can reach that larger public vis-a-vis uh, -vis broadcast, whether it's digital or, you know, the classic uh, old school networks, you know, you're going to have a, time, a hard time really growing. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We're right on the precipice of that. We just saw AEW New Japan team up. You guys are coming down my neck of the woods, teaming up with Boca Raton Championship Wrestling July 19th. In the wrestling world, how much do companies teaming up sort of help each other and raise up the game? I, I love it. I wish there was a lot more of it. Um, I've tried to encourage it with other people in the, in the space. Uh, everybody likes to kind of run their kingdom the way they want to run it, which is fine. Um, but I, I really think in terms of the fans, the fans miss out on a lot of great matchups and things that could happen. Um, and so I think that's unfortunate sometimes where let's call it, let's say the ego of the thing gets in the way of, uh, what's best for business and what's best for fans. But again, um, uh, you know, I'm not in their boardrooms and they're not in mine. So, but I certainly would like to do more, uh, collaborative efforts. Um, Boca Raton, like you mentioned, coming up here on July 19th. I think that stuff is cool. I think it's, you know, for us as a company, we get to work with other people, uh, and we like doing that. And also we get to look at a lot of talent that maybe we, we wouldn't necessarily see. Um, you know, there are a lot of independent talent out there. It's sometimes it's hard to sort through, you know, different matches and, and decide who's who, depending on whether or not that match was the best representation. I remember in TNA when they used to bring in wrestlers and I, I didn't understand why they didn't insist on people coming in. Sometimes you just got to see people in the flesh to really understand what somebody brings to the table. Sometimes television doesn't always sort of uh, a camera doesn't always denote what somebody's got. Um, and we found some people just by doing these kind of collaborative things. So, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. So if anybody's out there on the independent side and wants to work with us, we're, we're very open for business. Billy, in the old school, they'd always say, if New York's doing well, everyone's doing well. That's old man Vince McMahon. And that did, in which if New York's doing well, Mid-South's doing well, NWA's doing well, Dallas and the, uh, the Von Erics, Oregon, all these other places. So how do you look at the, the business right now as New York and AEW and others are doing well? What about the rest of the business? What do you think? I think, uh, honestly, if you want to look at it from a sort of a 50,000 point, uh, 50,000 foot point of view, I think this is the biggest the business has ever been. I think, uh, 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 sorry, <laughs> there's so many letters. The WWE partnering with UFC and Endeavor, I think that's going to change the game like in ways that I don't, I don't think anybody can imagine yet. Uh, when you look at the contracts that are going to be available to talent, top tier talent, uh, with, with those people in the mix, the cross brand opportunities, the ability to be put into bigger movies and reach a, a greater audience, 
vis-a-vis the connection to UFC. I think sky's the limit for what's coming for professional wrestling. It will put a lot of pressure on a lot of the other companies to try to keep up, but I think it also blows open doors. Uh, and let's put it this way. When I would have meetings with people uh, on, on networks about five years ago, they would literally shake their heads and say, why do you want to be involved in this crazy business called professional wrestling? Why don't you just stick to music? You're obviously having a good run there. And I'd say, I really do believe there's a, there's a business opportunity here. And I, and I wasn't working. I, I really do believe it. And now that these deals have gone through and certainly the success of AEW to build a, a, a competitive brand against WWE, people take me a lot more seriously when I have those meetings. Uh, despite the people that would listen to your show and, and the world that I work in, most of the world does not pay attention to professional wrestling. Uh, you know, they, their, their connection is Hulk Hogan in 1984 with Cindy Lauper, you know, so you have to translate to them how it, it still means good business, how it has robust social media. And so when you see those bigger headlines that you've seen over the last couple of years, that goes a long way towards making the case that I'm trying to make. When it comes to the music industry, when you first got involved in wrestling, what was the biggest thing you looked at and said, oh, this is just like music and it sort of helped you in your career? Honestly, I think uh, the thing that's most, most been advantageous to me is I really understand what it's like to be a talent. Now, I don't understand what it's like to be a talent in a wrestling ring, although I've done a few things. But um, I understand what it's like to show up at a building at 10 o'clock and sit around and wait and then be told one thing and another person tells you another. So communication is really important. Uh, trying to put yourself in the talent shoes. A lot of wrestling companies try to kind of keep a big separation between the office and the talent. And there are reasons for that. Uh, the politics can get thick at times, but I think going out of your way to make sure that people understand, try to get everybody on the same page. And, and, and as I often say to talent, look, I understand, I understand what it's like to sort of have to deal with the boss, but in this case, I'm the boss. You can come talk to me. We can communicate these things out. And I think that's, what's built a really good locker room and a really good culture inside the NWA. And I think that's what allowed has allowed us to attract a lot of young talent that have heard about the reputation of NWA and they've decided to put their stock with me and, and the company at, at wide because they want that opportunity to position them for, for either a greater opportunity with the NWA or maybe even a greater opportunity elsewhere in the business. And we don't have a huge problem with that because if somebody grows outside the bounds of the NWA, well, I always say that's a talent to us because we've done that together with the talent. Okay, Billy, last thing we have for you and we appreciate your time. Is there a, a certain wrestling phrase that you use uh, like in your personal life or in your music life, like do you use the word kayfabe? <clears throat> do you use that term? Or I'm over. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think uh, as Tommy Dreamer once told me, it's all the work. And in in, in the in, inimitable way of Tommy Dreamer, what he was trying to say is all of life is is a work. The government's a work. The grocery store's a work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a quick funny story. So one time I went to see Tommy when he was working for the WWE. And mm -hmm. we came out of the, the bowels of the arena. We walked up the ramp and there were a bunch of fans at the top of the ramp. And they're all screaming at Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Dreamer, Tommy. And he doesn't look at all. And I and I, we got about 100 feet past the fans. And I say, you don't acknowledge the fans. And he looks and he goes, never sell. <laughs> that's right that's, so keep in mind bro it's like in our offices we're usually using wrestling for terms people don't know what we're talking about but right. we know what we're talking about because we talk carny yep. <laughs> so yeah listen it's 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 a life lesson to work in the in the in the carny business um you learn a lot about human nature you learn a lot about who your friends are and who your friends aren't um you know, it's funny. One last thing, if you don't mind, is uh, mm -hmm. when I first started working in professional wrestling, I made the mistake, and I say that in quotations, of using a wrestling term on Twitter or something. And one of the writers had to go at me, you know, 
because he was mocking, you know, that I, that I had, you know, here I am working for a major company and he was mocking that I, that, that I deigned to use a, a carny phrase in public, you know, that I, that I didn't have the right. And, uh, and I, and I said, and I wrote the guy back and I said, look, you know, the funny thing is the other day I found that they had stuck a kick me sign to my back and I'm so stupid. I don't even know what I'm doing here. And that, that sort of, you know, that sort of lowered the temperature. And then the guy actually had a real conversation with me. And I said, look, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to make my way here. Um, you know, wrestling doesn't take very kind to people coming from the outside. And, and despite my celebrity status, whether it was me and ECW in 1999, 2000, or me walking through the, into, into TNA about, you know, eight, eight years ago, nine years ago, you know, when you come in as an outsider, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've, you know, made your name. If you haven't made it in wrestling, they, they look at you kind of sideways. And so at this point, I'd like to think after 10 years of working in professional wrestling, I've definitely earned my stripe. Uh, you know, I put my money where my mouth is in running, you know, big events, you know, this charity events, a big event, you know, um, we're doing it for the love of our community and, you know, for the love of the Cooper and the Roberts family, you know, that's, that's the stuff that really matters. So whether or not I'm allowed to use kayfabe in the office, you know, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm certainly working in professional wrestling. That's for sure. NWATIX.com is where you go. And again, July 8th and July 9th, the NWA is coming back, the National Wrestling Alliance. And again, this is for a special cause. Uh, Highland Park Cares for Cooper, the charity show at Highland Park Rec Center on July 8th. And of course, July 9th, uh, double live TV taping of NWA Power. So that's always fun. Uh, William Patrick Corrigan, as always, we appreciate it. Come on back. We'd love to have you again in Good Karma Wrestling. Yeah, thanks a lot. And, and real quick plug, uh, we didn't have all the talent on the 8th, but we have a bunch of talent coming in the 9th and Vampiro will be in for that. Big thank you. Big shout out to uh, Billy Corgan for joining the show here on Good Karma Wrestling. Brian, what do we have this week in news and notes? All right. We talked about Forbidden Door a little bit and injuries coming out of it. Brian Danielson suffered a broken forearm in his match with Okada. His wife, Brie Garcia, formerly known as Brie Bella, shared an x-ray saying that it's worse than expecting. She didn't know whether to chastise him or praise him for working 10 minutes with that broken forearm. 10 minutes with a broken <laughs> forearm. Like, clean break. The x-ray did clean. not look great. Did not look great. Um, shout out to that tough son of a bitch. <laughs> We've talked a little. The AEW Blind Eliminator Tournament. Well, it'll sort of get started next week. The winner of the tournament gets a shot at FTR, so we know that at this point. Next week on Dynamite, Keith Lee and Swerve. Yes, that storyline's still going. They take on Orange Cassidy and Darby. MJF, Adam Cole, the other tag team currently in it. I mean, it never really took off. So I don't know if this is like part two, like they actually want it to take off. So now they're going to give it room to breathe. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea what that, what, what's going on with Swerve and, and Strickland, I guess. Swerve, Strickland, and Keith Lee. My guess is that that match does not uh, end with them victorious. As we welcome in the one, the only, Jonathan Hood. What's up, Hood? What's up? Um, is my Wi-Fi okay? Not sure. Just <laughs> give me a thumbs up. Give me a thumbs down. Is that okay? You're good. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, so we thank you so much for watching Good Karma Wrestling. So long, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Um, uh, shout, out, shout out to the White Sox. Yeah, there you go. Here, here's some stuff for you Midwesterners. Uh, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins were on first take this week. They listed their top five sports figures that would be good WWE heels. Coming in at number five, they say they need a manager. Bill Belichick comes in there. Number four, Katie Taylor. She's a professional boxer. Number three, LeBron James. 
Number two, Sean O'Malley from the UFC. And number one, topping the list, we will mention Seth Rollins is a Bears fan, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers has like healed material for days, man. Like <laughs> going going into a darkness retreat, that's not babyface material. No. <laughs> going going to magic mushroom conferences and psychedelic conferences, that's not babyface material, my friend. <laughs> they, I'm hoping that they were better on first take than they were on the Today Show. Imagine going from Savannah, Georgia, to get on a flight to go to New York to the Today Show for five minutes. This is why audio will always rule. The idea that you had to fly from Savannah to New York for a four to five minute interview just on the Today Show, it's like, you got promotion, but I mean, where's the sleep? Where's the rest? That's unbelievable. <laughs> so yeah, they're making their rounds. Uh, that is it for news and notes. All right. What was your match of the week? I assume this is just the forbidden door recap yeah. of the pro- part of the program. Because I think you the can... better question is what was your second match? Yeah, okay. After what was yes. second place. <laughs> what was second place? Omega Osprey on its own level. What do you have in second place this week? I like the dark order against the elite. But I, I did like too. The, but I like the aftermath even more so though. What we're seeing here is stuff I used to see like on VHS, like the idea that you're using a screwdriver whenever you want, like what, what's going on here? This is bloody and it's crazy what we're seeing here. We saw what, three factions? You got the BCC, yep. you got the Dark Order and you got the, the elite, elite all together. So the match was solid, but the aftermath was even better. Yeah, that was good. I think also last night, just for the moment, Daniel Garcia dancing on the back of Keith Lee. Oh God. That deserves some recognition. That guy's a sports entertainer. Very entertaining. And the other thing I'll throw out there, like Forbidden Door is going to overshadow everything wrestling-wise, especially because we got Kenny and Osprey. I felt like Raw was a good wrestling night. Sammy versus Gunther. Ricochet versus Nakamura. Finn versus Carmelo Hayes. Like, they were sort of saying, like, hey, we know how to wrestle also. Like, those were some solid matches on Monday. Yeah, Finn versus Carmelo was good. Yeah, let the record show that Broitz is supporting Vince's booking. He's on the record. You can't take it back. There was wrestling. That's very unvince-like. There was wrestling, a lot of wrestling on the show Monday night. Yeah. Yeah, um, He he, he tore it up like an hour before the show. It was already set, and he tore it up. Now, here's the thing. Now, okay, so I feel like there was a few things that were changed. Um, So Triple H's protege, the guy that was teaming with Johnny Gargano, um, Chapa. Yeah, yep. that was changed also. That was not that that was Vince making that move. There's like four or five things that were changed on Raw. He's doing this right before the show, but it went off with a hitch. It wasn't bad. No, I mean, Raw Carmelo Hayes losing is sort of stupid. Like, why did he need to be the guy to take a loss there? But like, well, at least you he sort of got that opportunity. You can't have Finn lose to somebody from NXT right oh, before no, he I challenges. Agree. But then don't have the NXT champion there. Like, I agree. Like, throw someone else out there. Yeah, I mean, th- that's the one thing I'll disagree with is everything they've done. I mean, not disagree with you, disagree with the WWE. Like, all the NXT stuff they're doing, like, it just doesn't make sense. I understand why they're doing it, but a lot of it just doesn't make sense. So you're trying to get that more promotion. You're trying to have, you know, again, going sending Seth Rollins to NXT to defend his title made no sense to me. Having the, the, the NXT champion show up on Raw, wrestle a match against Finn Balor, doesn't make sense to me. But that's the that's the way they're going because they want to build NXT into a legitimate third brand. Maybe not shocking, but Baron Corbin going to NXT did not draw as well as Seth Rollins going down there. Not, people, not as many people tuning in for that. I heard it was a good match. Again, I'm not going to watch it, but I heard it was a good match. <laughs> um, Baron, but, Baron's, but, Baron, yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, you're going to have to tell me because I'm going to blindly say that a match that's going on, I believe, right now on ROH and Honor Club, um, you have the Lucha Brothers, Commander, and Vikingo wrestling in an eight-man tag. So, like, blindly, that should make my match of the week list. So you're going to have to tell me how good that one was. Ultimately, that's going to be a banger. There's no yeah, it's just it's going to be fantastic. Right? Like, yeah, I I don't have Honor Club. You're going to have to tell me how that one went because <laughs> I saw that get promoted. I'm like, well, I'm sure it's fantastic because Vikingo is the best professional wrestler in the world. And again, looked great last night in that match you just mentioned when he was with Keith Lee as uh, they wrestled Daniel Garcia at all. But I, I mean, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, they're main eventing at Wembley, right? They have to. They should, yeah. I, think I mean, like, Brian flat out said in the presser, he asked Tony, like, I don't want to go after those. <laughs> and that's coming from yeah. Brian freaking Danielson, who was wrestling Okada. Like, come who's, on. Who's, the premise of the match that he wrestled was to prove who the best wrestler in the world was. It's, I mean, it was just, it's one of the best matches I've ever seen, guys. Yeah, and I've been watching so wrestling good. for a long time just because it was just so back and forth. The callous interference was ridiculous to me, mm-hmm. especially you get ejected and you come back in the game. What are you, Bobby Valentine with the mustache? How do you come <laughs> back? In the, I mean, how do you come back into into the match? That's crazy. Right. But just the way that the in ring was fantastic. But once again, there's some bumps that I didn't agree with. I don't want to see Kenny Omega taken out with a broken neck on a stretcher. No. That that suplex was dangerous. It was. Mm-hmm. The match was on. If you leave that match, that particular move out, it's still a good match. It's so, still fact. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, it is what it is. Just, I know we don't chew, chew our uh, food twice on the show. I just want to say two things. One, you asked about Hell in the Cell with, Matt, with Mick Foley, the moments. Mm-hmm. Did, any, did any one of you guys say Triple H and Taker and Sean when they all went up the ramp and they said goodbye at the same time? That was so I. That that was a great moment. I, I had mentioned, yeah, I mean, HBK being retired by Taker, HBK retiring Ric Flair, you know, kind of those, yeah. th- those type yeah. of WrestleMania moment. Like those happened all like in succession. Those like last handful of HBK moments that we got. You know, three of them being matches. The last one being as a special guest referee. And like take her streak, bro. It's also ending against Brock Lesnar in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my top one because like that was the one where like wait that actually happened. Like whether it made sense or not. Like the fact that it happened was such a big deal. The state, the state of AEW. I could just do this very quickly. Anytime that you have Warner Brothers Discovery behind you and you've got multiple TV shows, you're going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Do yep. you know that the old guys in the territory days would have killed for TV <laughs> Saturday night, Sunday morning, whatever, right? Well, they would have killed for a time slot. You, you, I mean, just listening to the interview you guys did with Corgan, like he's right. talking about getting TV and like how he's, he's obviously working hard at it, hasn't gotten anything yet, teased maybe he's got something down the pipe, but I, I mean, he's, he would kill. For one hour, two hours, and now AEW has five hours with Warner Brothers Discovery. I mean, and and so they are going in the right direction. They're making big strides. You know, every pay-per-view special, because it's not 12 of them, it's not 13 of them, it's five. And so this last pay-per-view, yeah, it was four hours plus, but I can't find a D-plus match. I see A's, I see Mm -hmm. B's, and I hardly can find a C on that card, right? But Mm -hmm. everyone worked hard because the pay-per-view was special. And so, I mean, I just think they just got to keep moving in the right direction. I think that they're doing really well. WWE is concerned. Even though they've got all the money in the world, they can draw anywhere, they look at AEW and say, what are those guys doing, right? Yeah, because look at Wembley. But the brand idea, it's worked. It's worked so far. As long as they keep the the, the train on the track, 
I think that they're going to be just fine. They're doing really well. Should be an exciting weekend of professional wrestling. Hope everybody enjoys the fourth. I hope everyone enjoys Money in the Bank. You know we're going to break it down right here next week with all the other things happening in professional wrestling on GKN.